Welcome to the Four Wards Podcast. <laughs> hey, what's up? It's Eric Bra, voice of Draven, Jerks, and Velkaz. And you're listening to the Four Wards Podcast, here to help you move forward and lead. Hello, and welcome to episode 373 of the Trinity Force League. Or, I fucked that up so bad. Can, was, I, can I just restart? Nope, nope. Can we're I just going with it. No, this is the Four Words Podcast, okay. episode 373 of the Four Words Podcast, uh, where we help you move forward in League. I am Crushu, and Jax Omen is not here. However, an impersonator has again tried to take his spot. <laughs> It's don't, don't you mean an impersonator? Impersonator, yes. Slush otter. <laughs> so, we are Forward Podcast. We are part of the Trinity Force Network. You can find it at trinityforcenetwork.com for other league and gaming related podcasts. Right now, I believe it's just the Trinity Force proper and the league rundown. You can also find our Discord link on that website. Join the net, uh, join the Discord. Come out, hang out, hang out, and talk with us. Uh, play games with us. We're always available. Uh, if you'd like to support the network, you can go to www.patreon.com slash tforcenetwork, where $5 will get you first dibs on any planned tournaments. You'll get an email ahead of everyone else with information on how to sign up, and the Patreon has more details beyond that. We also have a Reddit pr- uh, presence at reddit.com slash r slash tforcenetwork. Our Twitter is 4wardspodcast. That's the number four, not spelled out. A bunch of our hosts uh, stream on Twitch. We have twitch.tv slash jacksomen. Uh, I stream this at twitch.tv slash crush you. And I'm going to skip a bunch of people who aren't here because <laughs> they're not here. Uh, <laughs> going all the way down to Slushy Otter, uh, who is at www.twitch.tv slash Slushy Otter. Also has a TikTok at Slushy Otter. Um, beyond that, uh, if you have any listener questions, please, 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 please send them to four wards at trinityforcepodcast.com. That is spelled out F O U R. W-A-R-D-S. We need questions. We're down to the last two, although one of them is a multi-part, as usual. So we're probably running out this episode, so please send us questions. If you send us questions now, we're going to answer them probably really quickly. All right, with all that out of the way, we are talking about um, at least one of these topics, probably two of them. We'll see how long it goes. Most likely. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first one on the list is about converting kills, pressure, and numbers advantages into objectives. Or, how I like to call it, how to take objectives and actually win the game. Because yeah. it turns out, just killing enemy champions doesn't win you the game. Like, I've I've won down 10 kills before. Like, As have I. Killing, it's not like you kill the enemy ch- enemy twice and win the game. That's for that's for one v ones. That's <laughs> yeah. That's not normal league. So kills matter. Obviously, we're not discounting that, but you need to use them. Mm-hmm. They are a commodity in this game. Like anything else, they buy you time and pressure on the map where that person just isn't there. Right? Yes, they get you gold, and that's nice. But get something out of them. Get a tower. Get plates. Get Go invade, steal some buffs, go get a dragon, go get a baron, go get a herald. Go do something with your numbers advantage that you got off of the kill that you just got. Yep. So, like, it's a weird balancing proposition because on the one hand, you absolutely need to do this. You need to convert kills into objectives. Um, Taking a tower, taking a dragon, taking a baron. All of those things are permanent. They stay on the map forever. Whereas you kill someone, they will respawn. Even the inhibitor. You take the inhibitor, it will respawn. It's not technically permanent, but it gives you a very large bonus right now that you need to then continue to use to add pressure and convert it to more objectives. Exactly. The best, like the easiest analogy I can ever think of for this is if you watch hockey, then a power play. When there's a, a, yep. a player in the penalty box, you gotta do something you got a little bit amount of time to do something before they come back out and hey they respawned and now they're full 
full advantage again. And this is true regardless of if it's a kill or let's say that somebody's just not where they need to be. Mm -hmm. If you see the AD carry or the jungler on the opposite end of the map from the dragon, start a fight, take the dragon. Mm -hmm. That's as good as having a kill because they just aren't there. Yep. So utilize the opportunity, capitalize and push the game forward. That is how you win this game. That is how you take objectives effectively in order to actually move towards the end of the game as opposed to just kill whoring yourselves out mm -hmm. so i would i like to put it into there's basically two outcomes of winning a fight um obviously you can either win the fight lose the fight or kind of draw and just kind of stay there for the next fight but if you win a fight then either you are healthy and you're ready to go and you have minions with you push take a tower or you won the fight but like barely everybody's at like 50 hp 100 hp you're not really wanting to fight again in which case you have two choices the first is to be risky and do the same thing as the first one and just keep pushing that's risky and is basically something you only ever do if you aced the enemy team all of them are gone you know, you know 100% that none of them are coming up to clean up this fight and, and turn it back from a one fight into a lost fight. Or whoever is up is also that low and or has no kill threat on you, such as, say, a right. single lone Yumi. Right. Even then, it's still a little risky because you're, you're betting that you can push the wave, get the tower, and then get out before any of them respawn and clean up the fight. And then now suddenly all of them are spawned at full health, and you're all dead. The other option you have when you win a fight barely is to take a reset. Go back to base, spend spend your gold, buy your items, and get back out of the, out of the map faster than the enemy team. It can be beneficial just to do that. So don't tunnel vision on must one fight must push, because there are still risks associated with winning the fight. So... You got to be careful of any risks involved with pushing after winning a fight with no health after. Yeah. And if necessary, yeah, take the reset. It sucks, but you won the fight. You got some gold. Mm -hmm. So go at worst in that kind of scenario. Use the time to set up vision where you think the next fight is going to be. Mm -hmm. Be it around Baron, Dragon. If you're planning to siege a tower, go set up wards in the jungle around that tower. Yeah, and like the absolute worst is I win the fight and reset. You still won the fight. You got more gold to spend than the enemy team. And you've actually, by resetting, you're actually spending your gold. So the next fight is going to go better for you. So even even the worst case out of winning a fight is, and just resetting still puts you ahead. Yep. Also, I would like to point out, not many people realize it, but vision control is an objective in and of itself. It's true. If all you get out of a fight is vision control and a reset, hey, we take that because it's going to make the next fight so much easier. One of the things that I think a lot of people don't quite realize at first is that enemy jungle camps are also objectives you can take. Mm -hmm. They respawn. They're like yeah. they're like the lowest priority objective. But like if you just barely win the fight and it's like, well, I got enough time to kill their red buff and wipe their bottom quadrant and then recall. That's actually a, yeah. a really safe way of doing it. Um, carries very little risk. Um, not as much as pushing a tower, especially if you're not sure you can kill the tower before they start respawning. Um, yeah. So you, it, it is perfectly acceptable to go take some of their camps away. They respawn so, quickly, but you took at least one set of camps away from them doing this. I'm going to use an anecdote from a game I played earlier today. Uh, I was Lux mid lane, and I was playing against a Morgana mid lane. We had won a fight barely. Like, we came out red health bars, everything, and I think we'd gotten two kills, right? So most of their team was still up and was like, okay, it's not safe to push anything. So me and the support went. I had two pinks on me. We swept the bottom jungle. We placed down a bunch of wards. I left a couple pink or a pink where I thought it would be useful. And then when we, we came back, the team went and sieged the bottom tier two tower. And I sat on my pink. 
And Morgana walked over a ward that was in range of me. And so before she had time to drop her black shield, I snared her, I blew her up, and... Well, we got the tower off of just that. In fact, we got the inhibitor. So getting vision control off of a fight that you just barely eked out is a massive win because it sets up for future advantages. Yeah, this has all been talking about kills. You can also do a lot of these same things off of just having pressure, um, mm -hmm. having numbers advantages. The point of having pressure on the map is you have a wave with you and you're applying pressure and saying, if you don't come deal with me, I'm going to kill this turret. When they come deal with you, either they have now lost a numbers advantage for elsewhere on the map. So elsewhere on the map can now force a fight with uh, a favorable team fight for them. Um, they can start Baron. Like the, the simplest way is the simplest play I've seen time and time again is, oh look, uh, I'm going to split push bottom. When they send two people or more for me, start up the Baron. Yep. We you, Four people should be able to murder the Baron or kill the three people that come to contest it without a problem. Exactly. And that that's an easy, easy, easy thing to do as typically a top laner or mid laner, depending on the champion you're playing. Yeah, that's like the easiest way of using pressure to uh, uh, get some kind of objective. Yep, and the same is true with Dragon. You have your top laner split pushing top, and you take Dragon. Either your top, your top laner teleports in when a fight starts, if they send all five to fight you, or they just keep taking towers. If you can kind of dance around them and just say, hey, we've got pressure in top lane, We're, you're going to lose an inhibitor if you don't send someone to deal with it. And then if they only send one person, just have your teleport... Have your top laner teleport into the fight. Yeah. It's easy. Yep. Pressure by itself can be more powerful than any single kill. Yep. All all of this works basically basically any kind of cross map play you can imagine. Taking the Baron, taking the mm -hmm. Dragon like we mentioned. You can also just use it to take towers. Like if I'm if yep. I'm splitting bot and just send the other four up top to take a tower. Like that works too. Yeah, absolutely it does. All of these are ways to start ending the game exactly because again kills are nice but you win the game by getting towers by getting dragons by getting pressure and advantages that are going to help you throughout the remainder of the game rather than just temporary numbers advantages mm -hmm. i think all right i think that's it for that Sorry, topic i think that's yeah. it for that topic yeah uh, unless you got anything <laughs> more um no Okay, so the next one is interesting to me. Uh, this one says uh, personal accountability, when to blame others, and when to take on responsibility for something going wrong. I'm, I'm pretty sure you added these topics in here, right? I did. Okay. Uh, the latter two are actually suggestions from my Discord server when I asked them. Okay. Uh, so this one is primarily talking about, like, hey, you're in a game, things are going badly. Uh, people are flaming each other. So I don't typically try to get involved in those conversations. I just kind of stay out of it. If it becomes a problem, I mute people. Mm -hmm. But what I will sometimes do, like let's say a play goes badly and I've analyzed it and it's my fault, right? Like yeah. I, I screwed up. I was caught out. I'll just type, hey, I got caught out. I'm sorry. That one's on me. And a lot of people see that you taking accountability for your actions and are like, oh, no worries. We'll get them next time, right? It immediately flips the script and suddenly people are so much nicer about it. I've never had someone flame me after taking accountability like that. I, I have, but that's because I've, I've played a lot more and also played a probably longer time ago because it... I'm pretty sure that I've played longer than you. I've played since beta. As have I. Oh, okay. okay. Never mind. All right. High five. <laughs> <laughs> High five. Um, Let's go. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, did, I thought you played in season two. Eh, that doesn't matter. Um, matter. Um, so, I started playing more seriously in season two. Fair. Same, basically. Um, the, the thing that happens... So it used to be a thing for a while where if you uh, accepted any responsibility, everyone would pile onto you. What Baxter was really badly toxic. It's gotten better. Yeah. Um, it's definitely gotten better. It's um, 
it's way more uh, it's been way more rare that i that i see anybody actually be like yeah you're right you did suck it's <laughs> like no 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 more it's more of people going yeah it's all worried don't, don't worry we'll get them next time kind of thing um they're I have found that it, that people are way more willing to listen to you in the future if you have demonstrated that you are willing to take responsibility when you are the mm-hmm. when you did screw up. Like, I mean, I've been playing a bunch of Tristana right, lately, and I don't know if you know this about Tristana, but you can absolutely jump in in a die. bad place <laughs> into a bad place. <laughs> um, cough, cough, tactical. <laughs> jump in flash out the tactical special yeah um yeah no it is it, it, and i go uh whoops my bad i didn't think there'd be three there <laughs> or nope. anything like that would would and and very often people will still be willing to listen to me later on um it's a pretty good so... barometer for identifying people who are worth uh paying attention to their calls if how they react to that kind of thing Exactly. Um, the other thing, so I have two more points I kind of want, want to make on this. Mm-hmm. The first one is still in-game. Let's say that somebody on your team is messing up horribly. They're zero five. Like they're, they're doing terribly. Don't flame them. It's only going to make it worse. What you can do instead is say, hey, Eve, it's okay. We've got this. This happened in game earlier this week. We lost it, but... I was playing Lux. Uh, I had an Evelyn jungle who was like a one-trick Evelyn. Normally, you had really good score lines. I had to look all this stuff up. Um, and it was 0-5, like 10, 15 minutes into the game. And I'm just like, hey, don't worry about it. We're having... You're having a bad game. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You farm up. Try to play safe. We'll try to bail you out, right? The Eve looked at me... Just like you could see the shock dripping through her chat. Like, why aren't you flaming me right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a direct quote. Right. But trying to bolster that person's spirits is A, going to make people more likely to listen to you, just the rest of the team, because they see you doing that. Two, it's going to make the rest of the team less likely to flame that person because then they look like the asshole. Mm-hmm. And three, it boosts the morale of everyone on the team because it's like, Oh yeah, we want to win this for Eve. We want to pick up the slack and just be like, "Yes, we are. We we are good people. We are the Demacians. We, we want to." <laughs> Someone doesn't like Noxus. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just the attitude of Demacia, right? Like we, we are the the guys who will win. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we are the representatives of good and uh, friendship and. <laughs> chivalry right like we are doing this for the evelyn who is having a rough time for evelyn um but uh yeah i do i do think i see a a flip side of this where it's like um yes so it is absolutely great to take responsibility in in game and say i messed this up and did that there is the flip side of this when you see um teammates mess up mm-hmm. for me number one don't call it out in game like unless they specifically ask you it. unless they specifically ask you hey i something went wrong there did you see what happened i will say you jumped in when you shouldn't have trisana and you died because of it <laughs> i know because i've done it myself a lot of times that sort of thing it's a lot to type so I don't give I just free advice. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't ever give free advice. I don't ever come in and say don't do that or or what have you. Yeah, the no, positive that you right. mentioned of this went poorly. Next time we can try this. That sometimes yeah. works, but again, it's for me personally. It's a lot of typing and it's difficult to do, and it is way more likely that I will come off as being frustrated or angry with someone if I'm just no, trying but, uh... to tell them what to do. So I. I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do. I'm just like, hey, that sucked. We can do better next time. Yeah. We got this, right? Just just yeah, some yeah. positive reinforcement. Because that person who screwed up, they know they screwed up. The last thing they want is to be flamed or to be told what they did wrong. They know what they did wrong. So just saying like, hey, it happened. It sucks. Moving on. We've got this. Yeah. Right? And that, that'll be like, oh, oh, this person's really nice. I want to win for them now. Yep. Right? 
it, it's another one where it comes down to me. There's two possible uh, possible outcomes. Either a the person knows that they screwed up, in which case telling them mm-hmm. doesn't really doesn't. do anything other than maybe make them feel better. Uh, feel bad unless you tell them. Don't worry about it. We'll get it next time. That's perfectly fine. Or B, they don't know, and you telling them they screwed up, they're either going to react negatively to it, like, no, I didn't. You don't know what you're talking about, and which is, oh, God, so common. That is that is the most <laughs> common reaction by far yeah. if someone doesn't think And that's why it's just up. not worth it. And and the chance of that happening is so high that I just don't do it. <laughs> that's that's yeah, the reason why me I don't. After the game, maybe, but not in-game. Yeah. Um, that's that's the flip side of it for me as to um, even even if it's not my fault, even if it's 100% my teammate running down the lane, going straight into five people with nobody on his team to support him in full vision, hmm. I, I, I don't say nothing. Every time. I don't say nothing. It's fine. Like, I can't, I can't control them. I can control myself and yep. say, I am not saying anything about this. <laughs> Nope. I'm going to pretend that didn't happen and just play defensively. I will bitch about it on my stream, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. I'm very vocal to the people watching me about how stupid I think my teammates are. Right. But in chat, I'm just the nicest, cutest little otter. It's so, it's so sweet. I'm just trying to kill them with kindness. I'm just like, yep. nah, nah. All right, shall we? Oh, I had one more thing I wanted to touch on with this. Sure. Uh, and that is post game. Okay. So specifically, personality, personal accountability in the post game is how you're going to improve. If you in the game say, "Oh, I screwed up," right here, right? In the post game, take a second and be like, "Okay, here's where I screwed up. Why did that happen?" What can I do differently next time? Mm-hmm. Right? Take a second to analyze it because you identified even in the middle of the game without having to do a replay analysis. Hey, I screwed up. This one's on me. That can be huge. And it's how you're going to learn from your mistakes, get better, and move higher up the ladder. Right? If you sit there and every single game you're thinking, oh, it's on somebody else. It, it's this person's fault. It's this person's fault. It's this person's fault, which is a problem I've been having lately because every single game, I cannot identify anything that I'm doing that is costing us the game except being everywhere at all times in order to stop my teammates from being stupid. But legitimately, try to find something in every game that you're like, okay, I could have done this better. Would it have saved the game necessarily? No. Can you identify, okay, this person screwed the game us for us. We There was no saving it. Yeah. But analyze your own performance in isolation from your teammates. Can you walk out of a game and be like, yeah, I'm happy with that performance. And that's the problem I've been running into with rank lately is every single game, I get an S. Every single bloody game. And we still lose. And I'm like, okay, was there anything that was my fault that caused us to lose the game? And sometimes there is. Even if I got the S, me not being there in time for a fight that my team stupidly started, yeah, okay, I guess I should have been with my team because they were going to take a really stupid fight instead of just playing back. Sure. For me specifically, there's a secret. The secret is nobody ever has played a perfect game of League of Legends. No, absolutely not. There is some mistake you made. (laughs) Somewhere, somehow. You missed a CS somewhere. Pro players make mistakes in every game. Faker makes mistakes in every game. Like, it happens to everyone. There is something in every game you could take away. Now, it may not be something you can identify. Like, that's that's a big part of it, honestly. Like, um, whenever I look at certain certain guys or certain coaching streams and they talk about some stuff i'm like i didn't even know that was a thing <laughs> yeah uh when they when they point out like here's where they lost the lane i'm like that looks like a normal laning phase i don't understand <laughs> why is this a problem but yeah that's what i'm talking about like there's always been some mistake made even if it's even if it's really minor um 
and and like you can look at if your duo if your duo with someone ask them like hey what did you think of my play was there anything that i severely screwed up typically when i'm playing with jacks i'll be like what did you think of me that game was there anything i could have done better now he's wildly unhelpful because he's always like nah you were cracked (laughs) (laughs) your anivia was amazing like you were the only reason we were still in the game. I'm like, well, that's not helpful. <laughs> Thank you. It, it makes me feel better. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, uh, yeah. It, it is it is good to take a critical eye and look at yourself because, again, like even if you get the the thing that always motivates me about this is that like. The the high rank players, the challenge, the challenger level, the the pro level players, when they they can mm-hmm. make a new account and they can just go right back up to at least diamond, if not master, grandmaster, and challenger, super fast. Yep. And they have the same teammates I do. <laughs> so there's something. Different. Yeah, there there's something I could do. There's definitely something I could do, even in those games that it feels like it was unwinnable. Like that—that's what motivates me. Is that imagining that if I were way better at this game, I could have actually won this game. So there is something I can improve here. Yep. And like this might be me talking just because I have a history of doing competitive sports that are solo instead of team-based. So, and especially sports where you're realistically competing against yourself. So my examples are ski racing and uh, competitive swimming. So I'm very used to going out of the pool or out of the match and being like, okay, am I happy with that performance? I will never say that I had a perfect performance, but am I happy with it? Did I leave everything I had out there on Summoner's Rift, right? And for the most part, I feel like, yeah, I can. Today, I played a match while waiting for Crush because he was an hour late to record. Yay. And I did not feel like I had a very good game. I feel like there were several things that I could have done better, starting with I was not expecting my support to be a glorified minion. <laughs> so I did not know I had to play accordingly until I was already 0-2. You should always expect your support to be a glorified minion. That's just how it works. Uh, That's just how it works. <laughs> so, like, I, I can't blame the Thresh. The Thresh was terrible, but I can only really blame myself for not identifying that and playing accordingly, right? That is the adjustment that I can make. Yep. All right. All right. We've talked about that enough, I think. Um, Yep. I don't think we quite have enough time for the third topic. We'll just do that some other time. I don't think so either. Throwing the trinket tip in there. Yeah, time for trinket tip. Uh, You wrote one of these here. Uh, Do you want to read this one or do you want me to read it for you? Sure. I can read it off. So this is one from me, and it's with a couple of my friends in mind. When teaching new players, this is something that I struggle with because I'm bad at both teaching and playing at the same time. But when teaching new players, it is important to call out things concisely, quickly, and in a way that they are going to understand because they are not yet familiar with all of the lingo that we use, right? So, and to do it at least a few seconds before they actually need to do it. For example, telling them to back away from the tower when there's still three caster minions. So they have time to register that you're saying, hey, danger, danger, danger. Process what they actually have to do and then actually take the action before the minions are dead and the tower is hitting them. Yeah, this is something I've also been running into as well. And it's very much a... A lot of the things we talk about uh, regarding communication with new players, it depends on the person. So, like, I my one of my backgrounds is that I, I played on competitive uh, MechWarrior uh, teams for a little while. And they had severe comms discipline. Like, you did not speak up. You did not talk unless you had something to say. You said it quickly and done, and you were, you were over with it. Like, it was very, very fast communication. And if you needed someone to do something, you would repeat the instruction over and over and over until someone did the thing. Um, and this is the case if you watch uh, Pro Play 2, they'll just scream, Lucian, 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 so that everybody knows to dog bo- dogpile onto the Lucian, right? Yep. And new players don't understand this necessarily. Like, 
No. I, I have had multiple times where uh, I repeated a command over and over, and it flustered the new player. And it wasn't an intention to do that. It was just, this is the thing you need to do. Do, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And they were just like, do what? And they just got confused because they didn't understand what was going on. Um, and that's one of those things that it's just because I have that mindset, I need to change how I talk for new players in order to do that and be aware that you need to talk differently for new players. Exactly. All right. Shall we throw it over to a word from our sponsor? Yep. We're going to get a word from our sponsor and we'll come back with some listener questions. Thank you to our sponsor, Moxie and Zen. Head on over to moxieandzen.com slash tforce and use the code tforce for 20% off your order of breathable, comfy underwear. All right. Now we are back and we'll take some listener questions. We have a couple here. Uh, Slushy specifically requested to read this one, so I'll let her read this one. Go ahead. All right, so this is from Dingle. Hey, Wards. My name is Dingle Dongle Dangle Doo, but you can call me Dingle. I'm a new listener and a returnee to League, a recent returnee, sorry. Getting back into this game after years and years away feels incredibly daunting. So I'm hoping you guys can clear up some questions I'm having. I'm having a hard time finding good answers to. My first question is, as a prospective top laner, I know it's important to have more than just one champion to play to make sure you have options if your champion gets banned or if your counter is picked. I'm going to be playing Jax because he's one of the champs I used to play and I think he's in decent standing right now. I would agree with that. What are two other characters that I should could unlock to make sure I have a good roster of top laners? I like bruiser types a lot and I think having one range champ is a good idea but I don't know who else to pick that won't get countered by the same champs. What do you guys think? Uh, okay, so the first one... So, alright, knowing that you're going to be playing Jax. Jax is a split pusher. He is a carry. He is pretty good at team fighting, but he is deadly in a 1v1. Um, in that sort of vein, I would recommend you stick to other champions of that same playstyle. Um, at least when you're getting back into the game. Once you start figuring out more about what's going on, you could branch out, and so on and so forth. For first things to look at, I would say Darius is extremely good. Um, and then you can do a split pusher like Fiora or Nasus or Trindamir and have have a backup to Jax. Um, Fiora, Nasus, Trindamir all scale really hard just like Jax does and you can split push to victory with them as well. And you also mentioned having a ranged champion. I would shy away from any AD carries other than probably Quinn. Uh, but having someone like I can't believe I'm going to say it. Teemo fits <laughs> kind of what you're looking to do. Uh, Kennen can also do it uh, fairly effectively and also gives you a really strong team fight presence should you want it. Um, and then Nar, same idea as Kennen, just kind of a different play style. Really so idea. you get, you still get that split push pressure, the poke pressure, the range advantage. And assuming that you learn how to manage your rage bar, it gives you a lot of team fight pressure because he has one of the strongest team fight ultimates in the game. And especially at low elo, people don't know how to play against it. They don't see it coming. He just dives in and Five man ults people into the wall and you win the game. I don't know if I think it's as necessary to have a ranged champion in your stable for top laner. Um, no, I don't <clears> think so either. That said, ranged champions did get a buff recently. They nerfed um, Doran's shield specifically, um, which, if you are a melee into a ranged matchup, you're likely taking a Doran's shield because you're going to get poked all the time. They nerfed it by removing some of its health regen, so it's less sustainability in lane. You're more likely to, to actually eat the poke and, and get poked out of lane. So, a ranged champion isn't the worst idea. What Slushy said about Quinn, Teemo, those are the good ones. Um, Vayne can work. Uh, it's too early for our meme, but technically that one works too. 
Uh, yep. And that one I'd use primarily as a counterpick to specifically Gangplank. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Just use it. Use so it. As I don't think intended. he's worth practicing. <laughs> use it as it's intended. Uh, Lucian, in now, case anybody is listening and is, is not yeah. aware of our <laughs> <clears throat> Um. So I am going to uh, come back to a point that you did make, which is knowing what characters counter you. So this is important to know both what characters counter Jax specifically, as well as just what characters you struggle against personally. For example, I struggle really hard against Silas. I have no idea why. Um, so having characters that, let's say that somebody on the enemy team picks Renekton and Jax does really poorly against Renekton and you struggle against Renekton, having a pick that does a lot better into Renekton that you can then use not necessarily to win the matchup but at least to survive better against him is going to be really important right if they if they blind Renekton into you you probably don't want to pick Jackson into that lane so having someone else that you can pick and you're comfortable on that can survive that matchup and still be really useful and someone you're really going to have an impact on the game on as is going to be important Now, I'm not a top laner, so I can't tell you right off of the top of my head who that is. I think my go-to would be Shen, but uh, you're going to have to ask a top laner for advice on that. That's the one role I don't play at all. <laughs> yeah, in top lane, I play like three champions, and I don't care who counters me because I don't know the counters, and I'm just like, okay, I guess I lose this. I don't know. And then I win it anyway. It's yeah. like, okay, all right. Yeah. I've been very lucky the last few times I've had to go top lane. I've been against Aurelian Soul in top lane. Jeez. <laughs> Don't play Aesol top, please. It's so bad. Um, and then there's a little bit more to his uh, questions here. Uh, another question I have is how the heck do I start to wrap my head around all the items in the game? I know guides tell you what items to build, but in the past, I have memories of my friends looking at my item builds from guides I was following and going, oh, those items are horrible for this matchup. It's it just a pound in my head against the wall until it clicks, or are there better strategies to learning the items? Would you like to start? Yeah, when learning items, if you don't know... Oh, here here's 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 the barometer, I think. Here's, here's the litmus test. When the game gives you recommended items and you don't know what those items do, you probably shouldn't be deviating from the recommended items. <clears throat> yeah. Once you know what all the recommended items do, then I think you have a, a better base of what items in the, in the game do and you have more ability to, to determine whether something might be good or bad in a situation. Um... So, my general general advice for learning the items is just play the recommended items. Um, once you know what all those items do by heart, then you can start thinking about varying the build, uh, what other items do, and so forth. And, like, the quickest way to learn, learn items is to play a bunch of different champions, and you don't have to play <laughs> those different champions in normals in rank. You could just go in bots and do it. Yep. Um, yeah, like that's that's the easiest way to learn items. I think is to just play a bunch of different champions, take all the recommended items for them, in bots. <laughs> so the other part to this is you don't need to know every single item in the game. If you're just gonna be playing Jax, you don't need to focus on exactly what Ardent Sensor does. So learn the items that are potentially going to be useful for you. Items that you are going to be using, right? Have your core build kind of planned out, saying, okay, my first two items and my boots are going to be X, Y, Z. This is those situations I build them in, and this is the, these are the situations that I deviate from it, what items I deviate to, and why, right? So let's say that I'm playing Jax into Kennen. I'm not going to build my plated steel caps. I'm going to build Merc Treads, right? Yep. Um, and that's because I want the magic resist. I want the tenacity. Uh, as far as first item, 
some matchups are really, really bad. So maybe you deviate your first item or delay it or something in order to get something that's going to help you survive the matchup a little bit longer, right? So you're trying to... You, you do always want to stick to at least an idea of what your champion is going to do and you're going to build around that. But sometimes the optimal way to do that is going to change, right? As an AD carry, you don't always want to build Kraken Slayer. Sometimes you won't need that shield bow to protect yourself. And it's just, it's those kinds of decision-making that is going to really be impacting changes in your build. But otherwise, just having a core build that you're going to build every single game unless extraneous circumstances happen is perfectly fine. Yep. And I think one of the important things to realize here is that unless top lane is different, having a bad item build isn't going to be the end of the world for an AD carry. Um, there's some some lanes you want to take a Doran's, uh, Doran's, uh, Doran's Blade and a Potion. Some you want to take a Longsword in three pots. Um, some you want, want to start a Cull. And we covered those exact situations two podcasts ago. Yep. And... So if you want to learn more about those, <laughs> go back and watch uh, episode 371. Is it the one I missed? Yeah, it was the last two Yeah, I don't know. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah, but no, that's 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 the thing, though, is that even if you don't know which one is optimal, as long as you're taking one of them, it's fine. Like, as long as yeah. you're not, not starting a Doran's Ring in a, in a pot, you're fine. <laughs> that's an AD carry. Um, and, and then to extrapolate on it, if you literally just every every game on AD carry, crack a Slayer into Infinity Edge, as long as you're not playing Jin, yeah, it's fine. And like, to be fair, if you stick to the recommended items, it shows you who it's good against. So if you're struggling against someone in particular and the recommended items say, hey, this is good against this person, it probably won't steer you terribly wrong. It may not be optimal, but it's not going to send you so far off the beaten path that you're going to be useless. Right, yeah. I, I definitely gotten some questionable recommendations of, it's good against this person. I'm like, is it though? Yeah. I don't think Plane of Steel Caps are that good against Nami. I don't know what you're talking about, game. Um, but, uh... uh but what? <laughs> I don't know either. I was like, why? Okay. I don't understand that. I don't think that's accurate, game. I'm gonna... Yeah, you. fair. I've gotten uh, Banshee's Veil is good against Zed, so... Yeah, not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not like Banshee's Veil is a bad item if you're <laughs> playing a mage, so, I mean, it's not terrible. It's not optimal. You really want that Zhonya's instead, but... The, the key to it not and why it, gives those, why it gives those weird recommendations against specific champions is because the item recommendation system does not actually look at like the individual game game or lane state it looks at what wins games most often against those specific people yep that's that's how it figures it out um yeah. and it may be true that having a banshee's veil against zed means that you win the map by not being anywhere near zed ever and banshee's veil keeps you from getting caught on the 4v4 <laughs> who knows um, so it's always a grain of salt with the item recommendation, but it's always never strictly wrong. Like it's never going to tell you yeah. to build a Gordrick on an ADC. It's never going to tell you to build a Shirelias on an ADC. It's, it's, it'll be fine. <laughs> it, it's never going to tell you to build Duskblade on Ziggs. Like, <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> I've done it. It's fun. Dustblade it Ziggs. is so much do fun. No. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Do not do, do that. Do not do that. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. So. So one last question I have for now is as a newish player, I've seen the advice to mute all chat as I'm relearning the game to avoid toxicity. Although I find this advice disheartening, it seems to be good advice. Are there any communities out there for League that are known for their positivity? I would love to play with people I've grouped up with, but I'm too old at this point to deal with people screaming in a discord. Any advice for finding chill teammates? Oh, yes. Well, yes, it yes, just so happens yes. and it turns out that you can go to www.trinityforcenetwork.com and click the Discord link in there and join the Discord. We are all friendly. It's also, <laughs> it is also in the description of this podcast. Seriously, it is why I stopped playing League for a solid 
year and a bit other than to get the skin in ranked every year <laughs> but other than that i just stopped playing for like two years until i joined the rundown uh discord and i'm like oh we play community game nights like every wednesday i am so in on this and i played every single week i got to learn how to cast games it was so much fun we balanced the teams the best we could and there was almost no toxicity it was amazing for months and months and months and months. As we're recording this, I can look in the Trinity Force Network Discord and see NA Eric is playing um, just an ARAM game. He's apparently yeah. streaming it. If I look at the rundown, I see two people hanging out in a, in a, in a chat, and I think they're probably not playing League. Nope, Destiny 2. Yep. <laughs> but, like, but they're so chill, and you'll always find somebody who's down to play a game or two. Just hop in there. You can also do so in my own Discord and find people to play with because people are always looking for games in there. But seriously, hop and run down Discord and just be like, hey, anyone up for a couple games? You'll find someone. Yeah. And all of us are chill. And I can tell you that, like, I don't... The community game nights for the, both the Rundown and the Training Force Network, I actually can't make them. I have other stuff going on those nights. But at least for the Training Force Network, it is actively policed to the point where they actually did, like... They do take it seriously. And if you're not being mm -hmm. chill, if you're being toxic and stuff, they actually do tell you to leave. <laughs> Yep, and this, I can tell you that the rundown ones are also policed for the same thing because I was a victim of it. Somebody was flaming and t being toxic to me about two years ago now, year and a half ago now, and I'm just like, screw this. And I, I stopped showing up for a couple weeks, and by the time I came back, they'd been banned yep. solely off of their uh, treatment of me. So... It's all well pleased, so there is no toxicity, and everybody's there just to have fun and be in a good mood. Strongly recommend it. Yep. So, seriously, just go join the Discord is is the best places for us uh, to to join. Um, yep. And even if you don't want to talk in a call, which it doesn't sound like you do, just to find people to play with. Yeah. Just be like, hey, I'm looking for a few games. I'm not looking to be in VC, but just to find people that are going to be chill to queue up with. Do it. Also works. Yep. Hell, I'll play some games with you. <laughs> yep so uh thanks again for hosting this awesome podcast for all the new players and returning players it's definitely taken the edge off hopping back into the rift i'm sure i'll try to make sure as i keep playing to supply you guys with more questions as i'm sure i'll run into confusing situations please do please do yep. Need more questions? we have one question left now please that, that reminds me so on that episode that i wasn't here <clears throat> um uh, a question got got read that was about like a specific draft, and I'm like, I mm -hmm. wish I had been around to answer that. I think you guys got it right, by the way. I think the Galio was was definitely the right call there. I think. Um, yeah. With Lissander being a, a, a strong secondary, um, so draft questions are really cool to me. I like I like reading, yeah. question, reading those and thinking about draft. It's one of the reasons why I like Clash so much because it is a lot of thinking about draft. Um, so if you have draft questions, yeah, send them in too. Um, Absolutely. In any case, we have one question left from Crossheart, which is a three-part question. Let's see if we can do this one. From Crossheart. We can do it. Yeah, we can do it. What up, wards? I've made some progress on my league grind, had a decent win rate. Then my wife and I got a new puppy. Now I'm back to only playing one day a week. Despite this, I'm trying to reach my rank goals, and I have some questions to help me with that. I switched my main to Cassidy and have been having pretty good success with him. Oh god. Since I haven't played him since the last time Roa was a must build, I had to look up the current meta build. From looking online, I found two different options. Tanky with Conqueror and Roa, and Bursty with Electrocute and Crown. I hadn't thought about building a Crown on Cass, but it makes sense. Is this something you'd recommend? Which build would you recommend I build in most cases? May I jump in here? Go ahead. The Tanky build. It... So the issue right now is Cassidy's base damages are really, really high, which means that you can build him with a little bit of AP and then go really bruisery, really tanky, and still blow up people while the entire enemy team tries to kill you. And in the late game, you're just, you're unkillable and you can kill everybody and it's so dumb. Please, like if you're going to be playing Cassidy, which I'm banning in every single game, build him that way because it is the most efficient way to 1v9 a game, which in ranked, you're going to have to more often than not, right? If you build the squishy version with crown, you'll probably get one or two kills and then die. And then you have to rely on your team to actually finish the team fight, which is never a good feeling. So 
my advice is absolutely to go the the first build because you still accomplish the same thing. You just get to do more after. The Conqueror and Roa build? Yeah. So Conqueror, Roa, Zanya's into full tank. Yeah. Um, so the the second so I I know Jax advocates for this build and I've tried it myself as well. Still going tanky, still going conqueror, but instead of building a Roa, build any of the other mana mythics. And then build a frozen heart and a abyssal mask. Yeah, abyssal mask yep. and I think the seraph's item. Um, yep, that makes sense. So build all so that you end up with four mana items, and you're pretty tanky because Seraphim gives you a shield, um, Frozen Heart gives you armor, uh, the Abyssal Mask, Mask gives you, you magic, resist. magic resist and magic shred. And like so, all of those are tanky items. Well, sort of tanky items. The Seraph is like the is the most. F is it really that tanky? But here's the thing: not only is Castin's base damage is slightly high. He also, his ultimate does damage scaling off of mana. Like, you have a mana maximum mana percentage added to your damage with, with your ultimate. And it increases with every stack it has, too. So, yeah. It's so dumb. If you just build a bunch of mana, you can actually just do damage with it, too. It's like Rise in that respect. You don't need the Roa to do this. Um, from what I have seen... And I've played Roa and I've played the Mana Mythics, both doing the same kind of tanky Conqueror shenanigans. The general idea of taking Roa is that you want it specifically to hit level 11 faster and level 16 faster. Mm -hmm. And that works. Um, it has been my experience that I like having the four mana items more. Um... It does lock your build down. Like, that's the worst part of it, is that it locks your build. You have to build those four items. Not necessarily in that specific order, but your first four items need to be those four items. You can't really deviate very much. Roa allows I mean, I've done the mana build with... I've done the Roa build with the other mana items, yeah. and it's quite comfortable. Yeah, you can get two of them. You can get um, you can get Roa, you can get... Uh, but you can't get the Abyssal Mask, so you can just get Frozen Heart True. and Seraphs. So, yeah, you could do that. Um, it has been my experience that it, it isn't quite as tanky as doing the other way, um, and it does about the same damage. I mean, you can just get a different the... magic resist uh, item. Yeah, because the, the magic shred from the, the Abyssal Mask, missing that is kind of sad, but that's like the only it thing, is. really. So it's not like Roa is bad. Don't let me, don't get me wrong. Roa is still fine. You can still build Roa. You still build Roa tanky. It's perfectly fine. Um, I do think building Roa tanky is the way to go, or mana item tanky is the way to go you can do burst once upon a time he built burst with a crown with a lich bane with a uh Rabidon's death cap he was just trying to blow people up you can do that but you're so squishy um there's so much damage in league yeah. right now that i don't i don't like doing that type of build if i can avoid no, it me neither um all right. The main reason I don't like doing the Roa for the last thing about it is that, yes, it accelerates my level 11, my level 16 spikes. However, games tend to go so long anyway that it doesn't really matter. I'm going to hit 16 in every game, basically. All right. Second question here. My main goal with casting in in lane is to play carefully until 6. Good. Trying not to get too far behind, then become more aggressive as the game goes on. I recently had a game where I only died once pre-6, but went from 6 and 11, uh, but from level 6 to 11, I was 1 and 5. It felt impossible to do my job in team fights post-11 because of how far behind I was. What would you recommend doing in a situation like this? Sit in the sideline and do farm. Do you want to start? Yeah, sit in the sideline and yeah, farm. Yeah, that's, like... <laughs> that's what I was going to say. So, at 6, as Caston, you are not strong. You are now a champion. You are not strong or overpowered. It is at 11, it is at 16 that you start to actually come into your own right so yeah coming into team fights and then getting to be one in five before level 11 that makes a lot of sense yeah so once towers start to fall leave mid lane and go farm side lanes if your team starts team fights or whatever i'm assuming you probably have teleport teleport in for the fight because you have to because they they do need you but otherwise 
if your team doesn't need you actively there, sit in the side lane, split push. No one's ever going to catch you. If, if they try to come down for you, no one's going to catch you. You just ult away, ult away, ult away. And if they send multiple people down for you, great. Your team takes an objective on the other side of the map because yep. you have pressure, like we talked about <laughs> earlier. It, it is my experience with Cassidy that he is very similar to ADC where he just really loves to farm. And if, mm -hmm. if you're behind, the way you get back into the game is not by team fighting and trying to flip that coin more and more as it gets more and more weighted to the enemy team. The, the way to get back into yeah. the game is to go ignore team fights and farm. And if your team takes 4v5s, then they take 4v5s. I, again, you can't control your team. Sucks, but... Yep. That's that's been my um, mantra on AD carry, and and Cassidy is very similar. It's if they take the uh -huh. fights, they take the fights. Like I can't I can't tell them or I can't make them not take bad fights. Like that's that's their choice. They they made this choice. I don't. <laughs> yep. And sure, like often a time they get um you know caught out or whatever, and they don't get a real choice to start the fight. At that happens too, and you know what? It happens. You being there doesn't change that. Mm -mm. <laughs> so, stick in your side lane, get your farm, get up to sixteen, then try to murder everybody, because that's when you're gonna be able to murder. Yay! Everybody. All right, kind of off topic, but I watched a vod of somebody playing Yasuo, so I could learn a bit, and I saw him buy a cull several minutes into laning. What is the purpose of this? Doesn't buying, completing, and selling cull kind of equal out the gold in the end? Is it ever a viable strategy in lane? Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Um, so, uh, if you're going to buy a call in laning, so not as your starting item, I'm assuming it was your first back. Yeah. If it wasn't your first back, by the time it gets all the way up, you won't really get much out of it. So the purpose of a cull. So let me let me check and make sure. My recollection is that a cull costs 450. You get 100 stacks of one gold each time you kill a, a, a monster. Um, so it gives you 100 gold back immediately, basically, as long as you can get 100 CS. So not a support. Uh, and then when you finish the the 100 stacks, it also gives you an extra bit of money it's 350 350 so just the money that it gives you is 450 the same as the cost of the cull and then you can sell it for 180 gold so buying a cull stacking it and selling it is worth 180 gold and in the meantime you get some attack damage and health on hit because you have a cull in your so, yes, there is a point to building a cull, even if it's not a starting item. If it's uh, the first item you get uh, when you go back for the first time, because you want to scale into the later game. Because that is what this is. This is banking money for later use, yeah. getting some use out of it now. Like, if I, if I, if I buy a cull, well, I can't afford a BF sword. But... By the time my cull is complete, I should absolutely have earned enough money to buy a BF store by selling that cull. So that's the main purpose of buying a cull during laning. I I hope what you, that like the implication of like buying you said buying uh the cull during laning, like I hope you aren't talking about like they bought 20 it minutes in the 10 game. minutes, 20 minutes. Oh, God, 20 minutes in the game would just be awful. Um, because it takes about I saw 10 someone, minutes. I saw someone buy a tier 40 minutes into the game the other day. <laughs> Why? That would, that would make me shed tears. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so buying, completing, selling the coal is up 180 gold. The key is completing the coal. Because you need to yeah. complete it, otherwise it's not worth it. Exactly. Um, but, do you know who it's always worth it to buy a cull on? Oh my god, it's in his ultimate's name! 
Lucian Top. Lucian Top. He's got. Let's go. He just, you press R. It's the culling. So you get yep. a call, and then you have the culling. It makes so much sense. And you you call the wave, and you get gold. Yay! <laughs> Yay! All right, listeners, thank you for listening. This was episode 373 of the Four Words Podcast. We have had our Lucian Top out. As always, the disclaimer is please don't actually play Lucian Top in your games. <laughs> Unless it's a gangplank counter. This has been me, Crush You, and some Slushy Otter. Have a good night. Bye-bye! Thanks for listening to the Four Wards Podcast, part of the Trendy Force Network. If you'd like to leave questions or feedback for the crew, send us an email at fourwards at trinityforcepodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at fourwardspodcast with the number four. Finally, you can also find us at fourwards.trinityforcepodcast.com. If you'd like to check out all the other great podcasts that are part of the network, head on over to trinityforcenetwork.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next time with more ways to help you move forward in league.